0: Hi, everyone. This is Frank Fear, and thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Joey P. and Frank. It's edition number four, and we're recording this program a week before the NFL season kicks off, which means the preseason games are over, cuts have been made. And Joe has a lot to talk about on both fronts. Injuries, too. There's a big one in Baltimore. And as he does each preseason, Joe makes season predictions. Team by team, division by division, for the playoffs, and for the Super Bowl. Joe has a great track record. So you're going to want to hear what he thinks is in store for the upcoming season. With that, here's Joe Platania
1: thank you very much, Frank. You know, it's a, it was a bit of a different preseason as we all know, because uh, the final week, we're used to a four week preseason. That final week has now been cut out with the addition of a 17th regular season week. The 20 game model is still in effect. I've tried to remind a lot of the uh, older fans here in Baltimore, or I should say the younger fans that uh, we older fans remember when you had uh, six preseason games and 14 regular season games. In between uh, 1961 and 1977. And uh, so, six preseason games, that uh, seems like a lot. And if you were selected to play in the Hall of Fame game, there would be seven. So, uh, that seemed rather unwieldy at the time. And uh, I- I- at least in Baltimore history, we had two cases where quarterbacks were getting injured in the final preseason game. And if that happened today, my God, the hue and cry would be absolutely deafening. So, uh, th- that was a bit of a change, a first change in uh, you know forty some years, to to have a 17th regular season game and only three preseason games as a result. So uh, that was that ended up uh, to uh, producing a total of 49 preseason games league wide, and uh, nothing nothing really stood out uh, as far as the caliber of play and the kind of guys that were on the field because preseason is what it is. It's a uh, It's it's something the fans have really turned away from in recent years, uh, primarily because they are paying uh, full-season prices for the preseason games that are tacked onto it, an idea that began here in Baltimore, by the way, with uh, Colts owner Carol Rosenblum just after the uh, AFL-NFL merger. So as far as the caliber of play and what we saw league-wide, nothing really uh, unusual there that stood out. Um, I think the, the, the Baltimore fans, in the light of the J.K. Dobbins injury, they, uh, they point to a lot of the stars league-wide that played all three preseason games, and they're just trying to tell those who are panicking, look, stars played. Patrick Mahomes played in all the games. A lot of other stars played in all three preseason games. Uh, these are the chances you take, even if they're only on the field for one series, six or seven plays at a time. It's football. These things happen. It's a collision sport, not a contact sport. It's a collision sport, and there's a difference. So uh, these things are going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, they happened to uh, one of the uh, AFC's uh, real postseason contenders.
0: Yeah. What about the cuts, Joe? I was surprised by uh, some of the cuts that were made, uh, particularly with uh, some of the wide receivers uh, uh, and tight ends that were cut across the league. What uh, What stood out?
1: Well, yeah, you, you know, you're, you're going to see that a lot, especially when you have a lot of cap dollars that might be committed to some of those guys. Uh, it's, it's really something that, you know, you you're, you're have to eat a certain amount of money to um, and all of a sudden you're not going to get any production out of them. But the practice squad rules have changed a little bit. This is something this is something that really played into uh, how teams conducted their business as far as who to cut and when to cut them, because uh, uh, this pandemic has really uh, broken a lot of molds and changed a lot of rules. You, you, I remember when the practice squads were only uh, five guys deep, and now it's 16. And now you can have a couple guys on the squad that have more than four years of uh, service time in the league. Uh usually had to be four or under. So uh, you, you have a lot of uh, vested veterans who are on practice squads league-wide because uh, of the roster gymnastics. I mean, you thought the Olympics were over. They're not. <laughs> you, know, you know, Teams have got to do a little bending, a little twisting, a little massaging, of the rosters and to, to put guys on IR and pr- bring them back to the practice squad and then put them on the active roster and that's another reason why these two-week window before week one is going to be so helpful to a lot of teams to be able to really set that 53-man roster because i'm sure in every city around the league that roster is not that set everything is uh, more liquid than it's ever been and that's saying a lot
0: mm-hmm. hey the reason i didn't mention quarterback uh when i asked you the question was. I, for one, was not surprised that the Patriots cut Cam Newton. I, uh, obviously, they're in a situation where they're turning, the, they're turning the team over to a rookie. Did the Cam Newton um, cut surprise you, Joe? And uh, the biggest question now, obviously being asked, is where will he land if he'll land anywhere? What's your take on the Cam New- Newton situation, uh, his cut, and where do you think he's going to land if anywhere?
1: Yeah, that's probably the, the, the biggest name that popped out of the, the league-wide cut list. Uh, at you know, at first, you know, that 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 superficial knee-jerk reaction, it, it caught, I'm sure it caught football fans everywhere by surprise. And but when you really stop and think about it, I mean, the league every, every team at every position league-wide is trying to get younger, they're trying to get faster, they're trying to get more athletic, and uh, and they're trying to save cap dollars. So for those four reasons, it, it's perfectly logical to see Mac Jones take over for, for Cam Newton in New England. I mean, the Patriots are trying to turn the page, the post Tom Brady era, their division, the teams around them have gotten a lot better. At least the Buffalo and Miami have the jets. were still waiting on them, but, uh, New, New England is certainly trying to, uh, reclaim its place at the top of the division. If not at the top of the league, I think it's asking a bit much of them to get back to the mountain where they were before, yeah. but, uh, yeah getting younger getting faster getting more athletic uh, just saving money that's uh, that's part of the reason that's probably all the reasons right there why uh, cam newton is uh, is uh, not no longer with the team i mean bill belichick did say that uh, vaccination status played no role at all i i tend to think it played a little bit of a role i'm not so sure i believe him he's a you know typical coach he wants to keep everything away out of the public eye doesn't want doesn't want us to know everything But I think the four reasons I cited earlier are probably the most primary reasons. Now, you look around the league, where could he land as a backup? Uh, You know, I got to look at the the two arch rivals over in the NFC, Dallas and Washington. Uh, Washington, of course, always undergoing some kind of quarterback upheaval. And in Dallas, uh, they seem to think that uh, Will Greer, the former Carolina Panther, is going to be their number two now. But an upgrade from that and go with a former league MVP, a Heisman Trophy winner who's played in a Super Bowl. I would think you would have jumped Greer down to third string and put Cam Newton there in Dallas. So right off the bat, I'd say Dallas and Washington are two uh, likely landing spots, but uh, there definitely could be different.
0: Yeah. Some people are speculating that uh, he might be the replacement for uh, Deshaun Watson down in uh, Houston. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that's that's another good spot, too. I mean, I, I tend to not really think of Houston right now because they've fallen out of relevance. As far as uh, the league-wide pecking order, uh, Dallas and Washington are certainly higher up on that ladder. But Houston, uh, Houston used to be a real quality roster that, that fell apart uh, pretty quickly because you know they didn't manage the salary cap very well. They didn't. They had a coach who uh, underachieved, and you know they had injuries in all the wrong places. So that's what happens in the world of the salary cap. You can go from the outhouse to the penthouse, and just as quickly in reverse, uh, you know, in rather rapid fashion. So. Yeah, it would not surprise me if Houston, in an effort to really uh, get back on track quickly, in a division that's still not all that great, although I think it's a little bit improved, the AFC South, I think if Houston wants to reclaim some sort of footing there, maybe Cam Newton would be a good way to go.
0: Well, let's move on, Joe, to uh, really the icing on the cake today. Every year, you uh, make your predictions about how the season's going to go, and you are really uncanny uh, in uh, July and August. Uh, predicting um, how teams are going to do in the divisions, uh, what the playoffs might look like in both conferences, uh, and then uh, picking your Super Bowl uh, uh, contenders and contestants. Uh, It's just amazing, and you've done it. Uh, We published it at the Sports Column about a week ago. So let's uh, turn to you, and let's start with uh, with the NFC. Let's take it uh, division by division in the NFC, and then we'll move to the AFC, ending with the AFC North, so we can focus on the hometown Ravens. But uh, uh, I looked at your picks. They look great to me, but let me turn to you and have you talk about those picks, starting with with the NFC. Sure thing. Uh, Let's start with the uh,
1: NFC North. the division that the our Ravens are going to be uh, taking on in its entirety this year, uh, the old Black and Blue division as it used to be called way back when. Uh, let's let's go from the bottom up. Uh, the uh, the Detroit Lions. Well, they're they're making a few headlines, if only for their new coach uh, Dan Campbell, a former tight end in the league, who says he wants his guys to uh, bite bite the ankles of the opposition. So there'll always be some colorful headlines coming out of the Motor City. Uh, with Jared Goff at quarterback, too. We'll see how he recovers after being traded away by the Los Angeles Rams. Personally, I think it's going to be the same old story in Detroit. I have them going 5-12. and 12. Chicago Bears, a playoff team last year. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was kind of fitting that they were one of the teams involved in that game that was simulcast on Nickelodeon. So
0: <laughs> that
1: got a few laughs from some people. So uh, I think that was basically a mirage. I think they're going to fall back to the pack this year, especially with the rather head-scratching decision to, to play Andy Dalton ahead of Justin Fields, at quarterback. I don't know what was behind that, but uh, I have them going 6-11. and 11. That was a mirage last year. They're going to be out of the playoffs this year. Second place in the north I got going to the Green Bay Packers. I think the window is slowly closing on Aaron Rodgers and that team up there. I mean, they've been a constant contender, a consistent contender, for as long as anybody can they can remember but uh you look back at rogers career and, and all of a sudden it looks dan marino like in that he's only been to one super bowl the difference between him and marino is that rogers won his but still that was uh 11 seasons ago super bowl 45 if you can believe that mm-hmm. i have them going at 10 and 7 i'm not so sure that they really got their offensive line squared away and defensively a lot of question marks there And if the Minnesota Vikings can just stay healthy for once, I think they got a lot of really good defensive players and possibly an explosive offense. If Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, I have Minnesota going 11-6. and I think they've been underrated and dangerous. They just haven't been able to see that potential because they've been all banged up. So that's your NFC North, Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit in that order.
0: Great. Let's move on to the East.
1: All right, the NFC East, uh, you know, a lot of smart Alex, they keep using the NFC East joke. We've only heard it a million times. The NFC East now is where the NFC West was about 12 years ago. A really horrible division. I remember Seattle won it with a below 500 record, and then they won a playoff game. And then uh, that seemed to be the catalyst for that division to turn around. I mean, these things run in cycles. Teams get bad, teams get good. Divisions get bad, and divisions can improve. It's an up and down thing. It's very cyclical. I remember how consistent and powerful the NFC East was in the 70s and 80s. Well, there was no salary cap then, so that explains that. I think the NFC East is going to improve. They're going to send two teams to the playoffs, which is a pretty standard amount. If a division can send three, well, then that's a bump. But uh, the NFC East, I'd like uh, Philadelphia to, to uh, bring up the rear at 5-12. and 12. Uh, Philadelphia is the Houston of the NFC. They were a really good quality, consistent team that just fell pretty rapidly. So uh, once Philadelphia can get their receiving core inject, check, they, they cut a few people from their receiving core, including Travis Fulham, who led the team in catches last like year. He faded down the stretch. Uh, Philadelphia does have a good offensive line, even though it's got a bit of an age on it with Lane Johnson and uh, 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 Jason Kelsey and a couple other fellas. They're, uh, they're, they're too old in some parts, too young in others. The quarterback position is is a head scratcher. Galen Hurts, how much can we, he really show? Philadelphia bringing up the rear at five and twelve. I've got the Washington football team falling from first to third at seven and ten. Uh, Washington kind of reminds me of Cleveland. They're, they're a team that just cannot deal with prosperity. They 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 sniff the rare air of success and then fall right back into a morass of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that that being said, Washington does have one of the best front sevens on defense in the league. It's just that offensively, again, the line is what it could be. The quarterback position always seems to be a bit unstable and their running game. Uh, but They had a, a promising fella in Peyton Barber, but he got cut. Jared Patterson looked pretty good for the preseason for them. So we'll see if uh, he can help uh, get that team on track. Uh, second place, uh, one of the most uh, improved teams in the league. I mentioned this to you and our guests in a previous edition of this podcast. The New York Giants I have leaping up to second place at 9 and 8. I really think a healthy Saquon Barkley, uh, that, and a team that's really taken the initiative to improve that offensive line. They just traded for Ben Bredesen from the Ravens. Uh, we'll see how that uh, that helps them. And uh, a defense that uh, it's always seems to be the calling card in New York. So I'll take Big Blue to go 9 and 8 and finish second. And the Dallas Cowboys at 11 and six. The Dallas defense kind of reminds me of the Ravens offense. All it has to do is just improve just 10 notches, just 10 to 15 notches, just get to the middle of the pack, and uh, that could portend a really strong rise in their fortunes because the defense, of course, was bottom of the barrel last year. If they can just improve to 20th or 15th in the league, I think that would be that would help them, of course. Dak Prescott has to stay healthy. That terrific offensive line it has, they have to stay healthy. They've got one of the best offenses in the league if, if it is healthy. And plus, the NFC East hasn't had a repeat champion in 17 years. That's a lot. So that immediately takes Washington out of the mix. And if Dallas is healthy, I'd like them at 11-6 and six and to uh, win the division.
0: Well, a lot of people are going to be happy with with that because we have a lot of New York Giants fans and a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans, and that's uh, – I agree, though. I think your analysis is spot on. Let's go to the NFC South.
1: NFC South, uh, a division with a lot of character and a lot of storylines. I don't know if it's got a lot of uh, juice to it when it comes to, you know, putting uh, teams through. I, I mean, I know the defending Super Bowl champions reside there. But uh, this is a division that has always seemed ready to break out, but not quite. At the very bottom, I got to take the Atlanta Falcons at 6-11. and 11. Uh, their defense was just an absolute league-wide joke last year, costing it several games, including a game in Dallas with the with the uh, that crazy onside kick that Dallas recovered on them to aid in their comeback. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, you know, new coaching staff, new philosophy. Let's uh, let's see if uh, that can portend good things there. Uh, I got New Orleans falling from first to third at eight and nine. Oh, wow. I mean, it isn't. A- Football is the ultimate team game. You don't want to point to one person and say, oh, he's the difference. But true breeze can make a heck of a difference to a team. Uh, it's just the very fact that he's not going to be there anymore. that That's going to give you a big drop off. And then what happened with Hurricane Ida to take them out of their home for the first month. Sure, the, the team and the town, they know what to do after what happened with uh, Katrina uh, 16 years ago. But uh, this group of players wasn't around then. So yeah. that's something that they're going to have to adjust to yeah. uh, playing their opener their home opener in Jacksonville, which is kind of strange, but uh, that's the way it's got to be. Second place by, by default, I'm going to have the Carolina Panthers at nine and eight. Uh, uh, Coach Rule is uh, a fella that uh, is being tapped to really uh, uh, make things uh, happen pretty quickly with the Carolina Panthers. And uh, they've been a pretty mediocre team, meteor to below mediocre these last few years but uh, if rule can do what Brian Flores has done in Miami, I think Carolina can make the same kind of rise that the Dolphins had, but I'll have Carolina at nine and eight, but the prohibitive favorite there, you're defending Bowl champions Uh, at 13 and four. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a salary cap era to bring all 22 of your starters back on. Done. Well, they did do it. So, you know, I guess, I guess it is possible, but Bruce Arians is a very fine coach. And that that Tom Brady guy is pretty good, too, as well as a a defense that really made a difference against the Kansas City Chiefs in a 22-point win in the Super Bowl. So Tampa Bay, Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta in that order.
0: Yeah, what you said, Joe, is so true in terms of particularly in this era with the business model the way it is. For them to bring everybody back from uh, the starting perspective is just, just almost a miracle. It's certainly extraordinary. No question about that. Um uh, let's uh, – let's, uh, doing uh, cleanup here would be the uh, uh, the NFC West.
1: NFC West, uh, to me, is the second-best uh, division in football. It's got a lot of real solid assets here. Arizona added a lot of nice pieces over the offseason, but I have them going eight and nine. It's just a numbers game. It's just too tough in that division. So they'll be respectable. They'll, they'll upset a few apple carts, but it's just too tough. Because uh, uh, San Francisco is going to be healthier, I have them finishing third at nine and eight. Uh, it looks like Trey Lance is going to see some field time. We don't really know if he's going to be starting, but he's a one of those small school quarterbacks at North uh, North Dakota State uh, as a Towson grad. Uh, North Dakota State's knocked us out of the uh, playoffs twice, so I know all about that program, in- including the 2013 uh, FCS national championship game. I mean. Uh, and I'm well acquainted with those Bison, and, and they turn out some really fine football players. And second place, uh, as I've mentioned many times, the Seattle Seahawks, they're the NFC's Ravens. They've they got a dynamic quarterback. They're always in the mix. They always provide a lot of excitement, and they've got a great, great fan base. They remind me a lot of Baltimore in the NFC. I have them going 11-6 and six and finishing second. And even though the Los Angeles Rams have had a few well-placed injuries like Akers in the backfield, they went out and got Sony Michelle. I'm not so sure that's an upgrade, but you know you got to have some kind of stable running presence there, and uh, you have a defense with Aaron Donald, and it is always going to be contending. And of course Matthew Stafford can pro- probably spread his wings and really show what he's all about. I think he's a quite a fine quarterback, but uh, maybe he's finally got the kind of team around him that uh, that can make things happen. So I got the Rams at 12 and 5 taking that division and uh, making a deep playoff run too, as we'll get into a bit later. So Rams. Uh, Seahawks 49ers Cardinals top to
0: bottom so let's move on to the NFC playoffs
1: the seventh seed I have as the New York Giants I think uh, they, their rally is going to be enough to snag that final wild card spot number six uh, Green Bay they're always in the mix uh, since I have Minnesota winning that division Green Bay is going to have to go to the wild card route Green Bay is six uh, Seattle uh, same thing as Green Bay uh, Seattle's a fine team I don't have them winning their division though so C- Seattle is going to have to be the fifth seed and take a take the wild card route your four division winners i have them arranged thusly dallas at the four seed minnesota at the three los angeles rams at two and your defending super bowl champions should grab the top seed in the uh, nfc it uh, that gives you a wild card weekend where of course tampa bay would have to buy and i would have the rams eliminating the giants in the 2-7 game and the the 3-6 contest number three minnesota over number six Green Bay and in the 4 5 game. And these two teams have met several times in the playoffs in recent years. I have Dallas winning over Seattle. That gets you through to the divisional round. Uh, so I'll take the Rams over Minnesota, which gives me flashbacks to when I was a kid in the 70s. It seemed those two were always hooking up. Oh. And then uh, Tampa Bay over Dallas to the two teams that are starting the season in just uh, about a week's time. So that gives you an NFC Championship game with the Rams in Tampa Bay. So it's kind as of a shock to maybe some people. I'm taking the Rams to represent the NFC at L.A. in Super Bowl 56.
0: Uh, terrific. Let's move on to the uh, the American Conference. Let's go in reverse order. Let's start with the uh, AFC West and then end up with the AFC North.
1: Sure thing. AFC West. Well, here's where you find uh, the team that can maybe stake the claim right now this very very early juncture as the team of the 20s <laughs> like I said, it's a long decade we got a long way to go. but the Kansas City Chiefs have played in the last two Super Bowls winning one of them. Uh, the division's getting a little better and we'll, we'll go into why in a few seconds here. but Kansas City I got at 14 and three uh, they've trying to rebuild that offensive line with uh, Baltimore's help who traded Orlando Brown jr over there and if a couple other fellows get healthy, I think the offensive line comes together it rounds out. Probably the most complete team in the entire league. Now let's head back to the down to the bottom. The Las Vegas Raiders at six and eleven. They can make big plays on offense because that's always been the Raider way. But last year their defense was not only porous; they just did not tackle well at all. That's right. And that's something I look for in the first uh, Monday night game of the year when the Ravens go out to Las Vegas. How well are the, are the Vegas defenders going to be able to tackle, especially when you got Gus Edwards pounding them in between the tackles for four quarters? I mean that's going to That's probably going to wear them down and wear them out. Number three, the Green – I was going to say Green Bay. Denver at eight and nine. Uh, Denver is a very schizophrenic team. Like I said, they're a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh, I thought it would be Drew Lockett quarterback. It's going to be Teddy Bridgewater, and he can give you some up and down results. So, you know, they're tough at home. So they might be able to squeeze out at least five or six of those eight wins at home because uh, it's one of the more intimidating home crowds in the nfl number two if they're healthy the los angeles chargers uh i think are really coming into their own uh with the new coaching staff and justin herbert having a much better rookie year than anybody could have imagined uh i think they can make a lot of noise they go 11 and 6 and they just happen to be in the same division with kansas city which is why i don't have the chargers winning it but uh, i think the Chargers are really going to be something to see uh, this uh, NFL season, if they stay healthy. Oh, and keep in keep in mind, the Chargers have had a lot of kicking problems these last few years. So if they start losing games because their kicker can't hit, well, you heard it here first.
0: Let's move on to the AFC uh, South, Joey.
1: AFC South, okay. At the bottom of the division is the team that could be at the top of the draft, the Houston Texans at 3-14. and 14. Uh, like I said, it used to be a quality team. and In the, in the salary cap era, you make a few moves and you're going to fall pretty quickly. The moves don't go the right way. And if your quarterback gets into trouble off the field, too, that doesn't help. So Houston, they'll be playing for the first draft pick. Uh, the team just above them, Jacksonville, I have them going 6-11, a little bit of an improvement there. Although there's some rumblings that Urban Meyer's uh, collegiate coaching style isn't going over all that well. And plus, even if it was going over all that well, he's a rookie coach in this league. But Trevor Lawrence, I think, is good for a couple of wins on his own. So, you hmm. know, he, I think he's going to have a fine year. I don't, know, I don't know about offensive rookie of the year. He, he might be able to pull that off, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, it's, uh, it's a two-tiered division, so num- numbers two and one are miles ahead of three and four. And number two, I got the Tennessee Titans again, uh, Derek Henry. The, I found this out the other day, and I was kind of surprised. He's the only fella to have run for 2,000 yards in a season at the high school collegiate and the pro levels. He's the only guy that's done that, and uh, he's going to be uh, working behind a pretty good offensive line. Uh, I think Ryan Tannehill's played over his head his last couple years. I think he's going to come down to earth a little bit, but uh, he's still, uh, he still does a really fine job. Uh, the defense, uh, it sounds very Raven-like. Tennessee hasn't got much of a pass rush in recent years, so if they can improve that part of their game, uh, they might do better than the 10 and 7 got them earmarked for it and at the top of the afc south despite some uh, injury problems uh, carson wentz ty hilton i got right now the indianapolis colts at 11 and 6 winning the thing uh you know if, if wentz is healthy he's an upgrade over rivers he's certainly younger and uh they they build from the inside out they get good line play in the offensive and defensive lines a lot of quality and a lot of depth there so i think that as much as anything is why i took indianapolis slightly over Tennessee to win the South. So Colts, Titans, Jaguars, Texans, in that order, in the South.
0: So, Joe, let's move on to the AFC East. Everybody's talking about uh, Buffalo these days. Uh, How do you see the AFC East shaking out?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, as usual, it started at the bottom and the, uh, the New York Jets have a lot of buzz around rookie quarterback Zach Wilson out of Brigham Young, second overall pick I think he's going to fare rather well. They're they're starting to build from the inside out with some really monstrous offensive linemen that they've added to their roster. Of course, I shouldn't be surprised there because their GM is Joe Douglas, who used to be a scout in Baltimore. He used to be the Turk. He used to be the guy to knock on the guy's doors and say, bring your playbook. Coach wants to see you. So he's very familiar with the team-building process, and he's going through a a bit of a harder time in New York than he did helping out the Baltimore staff because uh, <laughs> there's, there haven't been as many quality players go through the Jets camp as, as the Ravens camp. But uh, I got New York going 4-13, going to be some growing pains there. But I think this is be one of those teams that can provide a lot of excitement. They might lose a lot of close games, but uh, I think you're going to see signs that the Jets are coming to life. Now, in third place, I got the New England Patriots at 10-7. and Uh, they certainly have uh, tried to make the kinds of moves that can uh, get them younger, get them faster, get them more competitive. Uh, it's just that this division got a lot better with the other two teams above them, and I just think the league has passed New England by, at least in part. So it's certainly not the Patriots that, uh, that we've known. They're not your brother's Patriots. For, <laughs> they go back 20 years. They're not your father's Patriots either. But uh, they'll, they'll still be, uh, they'll be in the mix. They'll be a 10-7, and 7, and Belichick will – Make a few headlines as he usually does uh at the uh, second place 10 and 7 I have them winning a tiebreaker the Miami Dolphins I think Brian Flores is one of the best young coaches in the league I think he's uh, really got that team going in the right direction I, A lot of fans have still have questions about Tua Tagovailoa at the quarterback position but uh, uh as he gets used to the pro game and you know, all young players say it it's the speed of the game that really uh, catches him off guard I think uh They'll be able to do just fine. They've got a really fine secondary too. I don't know if it's one that rivals the secondaries you find in Tampa or Baltimore, but it's still a really good one. And then at uh, at the top of the heat there in the AFC East, at 13 and four, yeah, I think the Buffalo Bills have really rounded out into a as, as complete a team as you might find in Kansas City or Tampa Bay. It happened very nicely, and it happened rather quickly too, which is uh, again symptomatic of the salary cap era. You can get good, and you can get bad very, very quickly. When it comes to Buffalo, uh, the, the, the uh, need for a new stadium has become more acute up there. So that could be an issue to watch in the years to come because, uh, you know, the, there's always talk about Toronto or, or some other locale uh, luring the bills away. And that would be kind of tough to see that happen. The NFL kind of built its reputation way back when in the smaller markets, in the smaller towns. You know towns like Portsmouth and Pottstown and Green Bay, which is still in the league, of course. So, uh, you know, I, I, personally, I am rooting for Buffalo to work out whatever they can to to get their stadium situation settled and to to uh, uh, remain in Orchard Park or maybe build a new one, maybe closer to downtown if there's room. Now, I guess you want to move on to the AFC North, right now?
0: Yeah. So let's do that.
1: Let's do it. It's the fourth position. It's the fourth position at six and eleven. I got the Cincinnati Bengals. I think Joe Burrow is going to be able to stay healthy. That offensive line has questions, but also has talent, good pedigree with the guys that are there. They're just kind of unproven at this point. So if they keep Burrow upright, they'll get a few more wins. I'm just not so sure that defense can round out that team into being what it can be in this very tough division. Third place, 7-10. Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, this is a team that's been as consistent as any that has ever existed in the National Football League. But... Uh, uh, eventually, time and tide can wash us all away. and Pittsburgh at least is going to take a bit of a step back. Uh, they, they say Ben Roethlisberger is healthy and looking good, so we'll have to see about that. Their offensive line, of course, was in terrible shape. Uh, they, they are trying to move a few pieces around to get that going. I, I think their defense might be coming together a bit more quickly than people think. Uh, we'll have to see about that. Uh, as we tape it was only a few hours ago that the steelers signed away safety carl joseph from the raiders he had a great great career with the raiders he went off uh, to uh, other climbs for a couple of years came back to the raiders this year and then the raiders cut him loose mm-hmm. and then pittsburgh jumped on him so carl joseph could be along with minka fitzpatrick part of an ever-improving pittsburgh secondary so that's something to watch there but i saw pittsburgh taking a snap back at 7 and 10. at second place The Cleveland Browns at nine and eight. Now, a lot of people have Cleveland winning double digits, but I keep going to the fact that, you know, the intangibles are just as important as the tangibles, you know, dealing with prosperity, dealing with adversity. You know, Cleveland's had a lot of adversity, but ever since they came back into the league, they can't deal with prosperity. They won 10 games, made the playoffs in 2002, and then they didn't make the playoffs again until 2000. They did not make it, but they, they won 10 games that year. And uh, barely missed out, and uh, then all of a sudden last year they won eleven games, but the, you know they've got basically got handed a, a golden opportunity on a silver platter by an imploding Pittsburgh team, and uh, Cleveland had a, they went seven and two in close games against a weak schedule. So you figure all that in, and the fact that they haven't dealt with success that well, I see them taking a bit of a step back at nine and eight. I still don't think Baker Mayfield is one of the the uh, elite quarterbacks in the league although a lot of people are trying to pump him up as if he is. Uh, and the Cleveland defense was just absolutely sick-like at times last year. Uh, I'm not so sure they've improved all that much in the back end. They, they signed John Johnson, Troy Hill, a couple of free agent DBs. So it might be tougher to pass on the Browns, but if you can still run on them, and you know the Baltimore Ravens can do that, I think that Cleveland won't have the close games go their way, which is why I'm dropping them to 9 and 8. Still a second-place team. Baltimore, to me, is the prohibitive favorite in the division at 12 and 5. It has that uh, culture. It has that mentality, and it has that talent. Uh, this team is loaded with talent. If it can just stay healthy, uh, uh, the, the team doesn't seem to be panicking over losing J.K. Dobbins in the preseason. Uh, sure, it's a tough loss, but it's one that they uh, will have to deal with. And again, that two-week window between the last preseason game and the opener gives them plenty of chances to do their due diligence. If they want to bring anybody in off the street, and even if they don't, uh, Gus Edwards, Tyson Williams, Justice Hill, if healthy. You've got a lot of guys who can catch the ball, do blitz pickup, and, of course, run between the tackles. Uh, The Ravens have never really had that dual threat guy, uh, at least not too many dual threat guys who are good at running and catching in their 25 previous seasons. I can only think of three guys who fit that description. Priest Holmes, Ray Rice, and Buck Allen, who caught a lot of passes in the mid-2010s. So if if they can get both uh, Tyson Williams and Justice Hill to be dual threats, along with uh, Gus Edwards being the four-quarter guy to wear down the middle of a defense, uh, then that could open up a passing game that definitely needs improving. And if they can just improve, like I said with the Dallas defense, if the Baltimore offense can just improve, 10-knots, maybe go from 30 seconds to 20 seconds on passing offense, that could be enough to ride a great defense onto a a 12-5 and record And the division title.
0: Let's move on to the playoffs.
1: Playoff time. The AFC seeds, I have uh, the Tennessee Titans grabbing the seventh and last spot there with the Miami Dolphins just above them and uh, the LA Chargers at the fifth seed. Uh, So you've got a couple of new teams there. Uh, League-wide, I should have mentioned this earlier, league-wide I have a total of five new teams in the playoffs because this is remarkable. Ever since 1990 when you started having seeds in the NFL playoffs, Ever since 1990, all the way up through 2020, you've had at least four new teams league-wide in the playoffs every single year since then, which is a pretty amazing run. There was one year I remember, I think it was 2003, you had eight new teams Mm -hmm. take up the playoff spots. That's that's the world of the salary cap for you. So two of the new teams, the Chargers I have at the fifth seed, Miami at six, Tennessee at seven, and then the division winners, uh, Indianapolis at four, Baltimore at three. Buffalo at two and Kansas city at the one. So that gives you Kansas city with the only buy wild card weekend. Oh my goodness. We might have some music city miracle flashbacks. Uh, no, <laughs> I got Buffalo beating the Tennessee Titans. This time I got Baltimore taking out Miami. This would be their If that comes to pass, it'll be the third time they've met in the playoffs already. And then in the other uh, four or five matchup, I would have the LA chargers taking out the Indianapolis Colts that leads you over to the divisional round an intra-divisional battle but i have kansas city beating the la chargers in what could be a really good game for a divisional round game and then an old afc east game from way back baltimore beating buffalo uh, that game would, would be in orchard park but uh, joe ferguson and O.J. simpson are not walking through that door so i would have <laughs> buffalo going up there and winning which gives you an afc championship Kansas City over Baltimore, and even Lamar Jackson has acknowledged that Kansas City has been the Ravens' kryptonite these last few years. They're meeting again in week two, and uh, I'm probably going to pick Kansas City to win that game, too. But AFC Championship, Baltimore at KC, I'm going to have to take the guys wearing red to go back to their third straight Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, the Ravens' nemesis, the Kansas City Chiefs. They, they see red in their dreams, <laughs> nightmares. Well, that leads us up to Super Bowl 56, Joey. But Super Bowl 56,
1: SoFi Stadium, Inglewood, California. The gang at NBC will have it. I believe that's going to be Al Michaels' final game. I think he's going to retire after this one. We'll wait and see about that. But uh, I'm going to have a, a, those two teams meeting in another high-scoring battle. I'm going to have Kansas City winning their second title in a three-year run. They'll be the early favorites to be the team of the 20s, Chiefs 41, the Rams 33.
0: Yeah, that's going to be interesting <laughs> on the Vegas over and under, isn't it? But you would expect it's going to be, a yeah, with those two teams, a real shootout. Uh, very entertaining, I'm sure. Yeah. So, Any final thoughts, uh, uh, Joe, as we take this pause before we move into the season next week?
1: Well, one thing I think the fans ought to understand is that uh, while there were little to f- no fans in the stands last year due to COVID, it, I don't think it made as much of a difference as people think it did. Uh, road teams in 2019, when you still had fans around, road teams won at a 48% rate, which was the second highest since the merger. Now, last year with no fans, it ticked upward. Road team success rate ticked upward, but not that much. It got to just over 50%. So, this is this is the league of parity. This is the league of the salary cap, where you know any anybody you know they say any given Sunday, Monday, or Thursday anybody can win at any time, and with no fans in the stands, sure the road teams improved, but not that much because they were already doing really really well before the pandemic. So if the road team success rate goes down a bit, sure it'll be no surprise, but I wouldn't be surprised. If the road team win rate goes down only slightly, these sorts of things don't make as much of a difference as people seem to think it does. So watch the performance of the road teams and see how that works out now that the fans are back. And it's a darn good thing that they are.
0: Thanks, Joe, and thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back again next week, and Joe will give you his picks and analysis for NFL Week 1. Till then, for Joe Platania, this is Frank Fear. Be good sports, everyone.
1: in